Well, I just wanted to, we're going to step away from our Blessed by God series uh, this morning since it's Mother's Day, and I just want to share some thoughts with you uh, in the scriptures about what um, mothers mean and what, what a godly woman looks like from the scriptures. Um, the neat thing is there's so many good examples in the auditorium this morning um, that we could just uh, give honor to a whole bunch of individuals here. Um, I read this on the internet, and I read this and I thought it fit really well. It says, she can deal with stress and carry heavy burdens. She smiles when she feels like crying, and she sings when she feels like crying. She cries when she's happy and laughs when she's afraid. Her love is unconditional. There's only one thing wrong with her. She forgot what she's worth. I know a lot of good mothers that do not count themselves worthy and do not understand their value and their worth. So we want to declare that to you this morning and say to all of you, you're a great worth to us, and we want you to know that. We want you to see some scriptures that really describe most of the ladies I know here today. Um, begin with Proverbs chapter 14 and verse 1. Just a great verse for you ladies to... Um, build your life around, and, and uh, I see it in many of your homes. Uh, we were on our men's retreat um, this weekend. Several of us went with uh, another Baptist church, um, Midway Baptist, my best friend's a pastor over there, and, and they had a men's retreat and just a handful of guys, and I said, well, some of us may want to go with that. So we kind of tagged along with them, turned out to have a great time. Uh, one of the discussions that happened in my truck on the way uh, to Waynesboro, Mississippi, um, was how blessed... Uh, we are to have the wives we have and the women we have in our lives and how amazing the women around our church uh, are and how they minister to us. And uh, it was a kind of a weekend theme along the way. Uh, Danny Richardson and some others just kept reminding us of um, you know, how lucky we are to have the women that we were uh, missing over the weekend. And uh, we were eating food that they wouldn't allow us to normally eat. We were snacking in ways we weren't supposed to snack, John. Um, like continually, John, and uh, <laughs> um, but we were we were uh, very aware um, that behind every good man and every every man that I know that's just of any value, there's a great mother and a great woman uh, that stands beside them. So Proverbs fourteen one says, "The wise woman builds her house, but with her own hands, the foolish one tears it down." And I've watched this in many homes. I've watched women who can strengthen a home and build it up. They're very industrious and they manage and increase the property and the family values and the, the furniture of the house and the food in the pantries and even the clothing for the children. They just have a way of making all that work and happen uh, through their uh, wisdom and through their following of the Lord's direction. And then there are also those who are thriftless and they act uh, sort of differently and in opposition to that and and they get the opposite results for a household and all that is far from being increased, but it's dilapidated and uh, run down and the kids are ill-filled and ill-cared Ill for. And so God says it's a wise woman that can build up her house, take care of her family, and honor Him in that way. Um, <clears throat> I want to just remind you of a statement that I make all the time. Every chance I get a chance to say this, um, I want to remind you of this. Womankind makes it possible for mankind to fulfill um, all that God intended and desires from us. Womankind makes it possible for mankind to fulfill all that God intended and desires for us. God has a perfect will for me and a perfect will for every man in this room. He created 
Adam and Eve in that order, Adam first. And if you'll remember in the Garden of Eden, um, it's a perfect garden that God created on a perfect planet and a perfect universe. Remember? Perfect. At the end of every day, five days in a row, God says, it is good. It's good. And he rested. And the next day, he got up and created more cool stuff for the perfect planet and the perfect earth. On the sixth day, God created man. Mankind. The Bible says he literally molded him into uh, the shape of a man, breathed the breath of life into him. So it's mud with air. That's what we are. And ladies, y'all know that better than anybody because we bring all that home with us all day. But we're just aired up dirt. That's all we are. God, God filled us up with life, breathed his life into us, put perfect man in a perfect garden. And Genesis 2.18, God said, It is not good. This is not good. It's not good for man to be alone. This will never work. When he made creation, he realized mankind by himself was never going to make it. Never going to make it. And uh, so womankind became the gift to us. And uh, ladies, I say to all of you ladies, young and old, um, you are a gift to planet earth, a gift from God to make the world work right. Okay, hang out with guys that believe that. Hang out with guys that remind you of that. And all of you guys, please remind you, remind your uh, ladies about that, and tell your mothers and your sisters and your aunts and uh, all the people you know in your life. Your teachers, by the way, if you, if you think as a man about how many women have impacted your life over your lifetime, it's pretty phenomenal. So womankind makes it possible for mankind to fulfill all that God has. See, God said of Adam, he was not complete yet. And so he created Eve, literally, the Bible says he fashioned Eve into to a woman, just custom-built her, to, to complete Adam. All that Adam would ever need to be for God was missing until Eve was there. And I remind all my couples that I do weddings for at the altar. Um, I remind the man when the bride's coming down. I did this a few weekends ago on the beach. Um, when she's coming down that aisle... Um, this is the gift that God has for you that will make you all you're supposed to be for God. And you need to honor her as a gift from God. So, so I just remind you today that woman, womankind holds the keys to men's heart and minds and spirit. The center of God's will is found only as we honor women and let them speak into our lives. And so womankind is a gift to mankind. And literally, ladies, when you do this properly, when you follow God, you make the world work. And you make everything right. Um, and guys... We can talk all about how we're protectors and providers and they're not anything without us and what would they do without us. We can do that. We're just not smart uh, when we say that kind of stuff. It's not biblically accurate um, to say it that way. And that was part of the cool thing about our men's retreat. We were sort of completely the other way around at our men's retreat um, just thinking about, man, our wives really make life work for us. This is amazing. You know, like, who's going to make breakfast? What in the world are we going to do out here? So <laughs> we had some good donuts, though. It was okay. And uh, John made some good grits. He did. He made some really, he was very proud of those grits. You should ask him about them because he has some special ingredients that he put in his grits for us. So, but the truth is, womankind's a gift to us and makes the world right. And on any, not just Mother's Day, but on any day, um, you guys need to, to honor your, your moms like that. You need to honor the women of your life. Even your teachers and, and the ladies that have invested much time into your life, you need to do that. So the, the other thing I want to do this morning is just give you a couple of understandings of the major roles that, that women play in our lives that typically go unnoticed. Now, there's lots of them. 
But these are two really key roles, and I preached this many years ago somewhere else, and I got beat up for it afterwards saying, is that all you're saying we can do? And I went, did you hear that? Because that's not what I said. So don't hear this is all you can do, ladies. These two things, the only two things y'all can do. Do not hear that this morning. Uh, what I'm saying is these are two massive uh, roles that womankind, womankind plays for mankind um, that typically we forget to thank you for. So I'm highlighting them for you today. Um, the first one is the role of sacrifice. Since the beginning of the family, it's apparent that uh, women uh, have been willing um, to sacrifice and willing to care for their families. Uh, for most of us, we see that concept through our mothers. My mother was a great example of that. Um, very sacrificial woman. 3.30 or 4 o'clock in the morning, she was up at uh, out of our house and on the way down to um, the projects behind the hospitals to pick up one of our co-work, one of her co-workers to take her to the little restaurant we owned right up here in uh, Overlook Shopping Center and to open up a restaurant at 5 o'clock so everybody could come by and get their breakfast on the way into town. And uh, mom was just huge, sacrificial, willing to do that. And, and it wasn't like she went to bed at 6 because she didn't get home a lot of times until 9 or 10 o'clock at night from closing the restaurant with dad. And uh, she was just kind of hung out with them the whole time and was very sacrificial in her giving. So most of the time we can see that uh, in our moms. And uh, when I consider all the women I've been blessed to know, um, I see sacrifice as a word that speaks volumes of the loving character that was in them. But I want you to see three scriptures that highlight this today. They're good reminders to us and may learn a little bit from the Bible that you didn't really understand. John chapter 12 and verse 1 says, six days before the Passover, Jesus arrived at Bethany where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus had raised from the dead. Here a dinner was given in Jesus' honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among the recli them, those reclining at the table with him. Then Mary took about a, a pint of pure nard, an expensive perfume. She poured it on Jesus' feet and wiped his feet with her hair. Now this is one of two times that that happened for Jesus. And the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. But one of his disciples, Judas Iscariot, who was later to betray him, objected. Why was this perfume sold? Why wasn't this perfume sold and the money given to the poor? It was worth a year's wages. He did not say this because he cared about the poor, but because he was a thief as the keeper of the money bag. He used to help himself to what was put in it. So we know Judas's intent was completely, uh, bad there. But here's the beauty of this passage. Um, Martha's sister Mary, Martha and Lazarus' sister Mary, was willing to take some perfume in her home. And you think about the time period she lives in. Uh, if you had if you had perfume today that was worth thirty or forty thousand dollars, a bottle worth thirty or forty thousand dollars. It's a bottle of perfume. You know, first of all, most of you would be on eBay trying to make sure somebody gives you the best deal you can get for that thing. You know, or shopping at the wherever you can sell that thing to, right? But thirty or forty thousand dollar bottle of perfume it, sitting on a shelf in their home was probably her inheritance. It was probably meant somebody had her father, somebody had made sure she had that for her future, right? She probably had some sort of way that this is going to get you through your whole life, Mary. You got to figure out a way to to use this up properly and. And, and use this as your retirement and everything else. She took all she had, $30,000, a year's salary, 
And she just walked into the room and poured it over Jesus' feet. Now there's a whole lot of cool things happening in this passage because at the same time that's going on, you have uh, God knowing that Jesus needs to be anointed for his burial and prepared for burial, um, prepared for his execution. So this times into the whole picture of Jesus' life in a beautiful way that we don't know that Mary even understood. God prompted her to be very sacrificial and take something that meant everything to her, literally was her probably her whole future, was caught up in that little bit of bottle. And she took that whole future and said, you know what, Jesus, I want this to be yours. I want my future to be poured out on you, and you take care of me. And she anointed his feet with that and then wiped it with her hair. It's a magnificent picture of her passionate love for Christ and her willingness to sacrifice everything to him. And uh, I see that as a, a beautiful sign of what women are capable of, um, the sacrifice that's there. Proverbs twenty thirty one, a Proverbs we often refer to um, for the ladies um, to follow. And yet, if you, guys, if you'll ever read Proverbs 31, there's a whole lot of stuff in there that's meant for us. <laughs> it's not just about women. But Proverbs 31, verse 20 says, She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. A godly woman, a sacrificial woman, looks for ways to help needy people. I was thinking through this as I was studying this this last week. I was thinking through uh, how many women in this church have called me on the phone as their pastor and said, Hey, I'm down here at so-and-so intersection. Um, I stopped to get some gas or I stopped at a little rest to, at McDonald's to get something. And I met this family and they really have some needs. How can we help them? And I, I mean, I'm telling you, I could point you out. I won't do it to embarrass you, but I could point you out in the auditorium this morning. The ladies in our church that have said, Hey, there's somebody needy and I need to, I need to figure out how to help and I need to call the pastor just to get a clue or an idea or do we have some pantry food or whatever that we can help them with. And I, I mean, I'm just honored to be around women that fulfill that in our church here. And I want to remind all you young folks, um, when you see people in need, you're not supposed to blow past them. You're supposed to figure out, pray, just ask God in prayer, how can I help? What, what am I supposed to do about those things? So Proverbs 31 is a good one. Luke 21, verse 1 through 4. It's a great passage. Luke 21, verses 1 through 4. It says, as, Jesus, as he looked up, Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. Uh, they're literally across the street from the temple in this passage, and they're watching outside the temple gates where people had to bring their tithes, their treasures, to the temple. And rich people in Jesus' day made a scene about it. They had this whole, you know, they wore their rich clothes, and they had all their money, and the, the thing they put it in was a, a brass, so it was loud. And so if they had a lot of coins, they'd try to, you know, do them a whole bunch of, you know, shake them in there, make all this noise, you know, make a big deal about their offerings. And rich people are giving big chunks of money to the temple. You know, they're giving thousands and thousands of dollars in our culture today, tens of thousands of dollars. I talked, read a pastor's uh, blog the other day, and, and he was saying somebody in his church had just written their church, it's a big church, and have a lot of money, but somebody had written their church a check for $60,000. Just said, hey, we just had a little investment thing that cashed back in, and so I just wanted y'all to have a little thing. Y'all figure out what to do with this $60,000. I'm like, wow. So if any of y'all have any check-writing abilities like that, just let us know and we'll help you. But, you know, it's like, oh, wow, that's amazing. But rich people can give like that, right? They're supposed to give like that, and they should. And 
I know many people with lots of income that do that and sacrifice uh, way beyond that. So, But here's the thing that happens in this passage, just beautiful. Verse 2, he also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Now, I wasn't there, and hopefully we can maybe see the video replay when we get to heaven, but I bet she didn't bang him into the sides. I bet she just pinched him between her little widow fingers and laid him down in the bottom where they're very quiet. I bet it was a very quiet moment for her. And she just puts him in and walks away. And Jesus says, I want to tell you some truth here. This poor widow put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth. But she, out of her poverty, put in all she had to live on. See, woman, womankind, that gift that God gave us, understands what sacrifice is. It's just deep into the core of their DNA. And a good woman, a godly woman, like this widow, like Mary in the earlier passage, just knows how to sacrifice. And to sacrifice first unto God. To make your first sacrifice unto God. And the rest of it will fall in place. And so, it's a very beautiful picture of what sacrifice looks like. And I'll just remind you today um, that God calls all of us, women and men, to be sacrificial Sacrificial in our giving, sacrificial in our lives. Um, you know, I don't know how many times my mom probably didn't get to go do something she wanted to do because she had three boys that were doing other things that she needed to go be with. And uh, she would sacrifice to do that. So, so there is a very important uh, role that women play, and it's in sacrificing. The second role that I see very often, um, it's... It's awesome in this church as well, but I see it in lives as the role of serving. Serving the family, serving the community, and serving the church. And I don't know how many of you know this, but Jesus had, most of you know, Jesus had a group of disciples, 12 guys that hung around him. I was kind of entertained that we had 12 at our retreat this weekend. It's the kind of a discipleship thing for us. Um, but 12 guys that hung around Jesus, he called them by name to be his, to, to follow him. He led them for two and a half and three years uh, in ministry with him. But they weren't alone by themselves because 12 guys hanging out with Jesus, remember, it's not good that man be alone. 12 guys would not have made it and done well by that. So there was also a group of women that traveled with them and cared for them and took care of them. And Luke chapter 8 gives you a little picture of that. And I want you to see that this morning. In, in Luke chapter 8 it says, And after this Jesus traveled about from one town and village to another, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, and also some women who had been cured of evil spirits and disease. Mary called Magdalene, it's a different Mary, from whom seven demons had come out. Joanna, the wife of Cusa, the manager of her of Herod's household, Susanna, and many others. These women were helping to support them, listen to this, out of their own means. They were serving Jesus alongside all these guys, and here's the sacrifice part, serving and sacrificing out of their own means. In other words, they had their resources. They said, hey, we've got, we can take care of this. We'll, we'll provide this for you. We'll make this happen. But they were serving alongside Jesus and helping Jesus' ministry. And a lot of times we give tons of credit and tons of stories to the disciples because they did all these really cool things and they're right there in the middle of all of it. But you know who was in the middle of all of it with them? A whole bunch of really great women. Uh, women who, who had been converted um, when Jesus rescued them from whatever their uh, demonic oppression was or their sin. 
when they followed him, uh, when they saw who he was and acknowledged that, they literally turned and followed him with great passion and were willing to sacrifice their very stuff. Say, we're just with you now. We're with you. And by the way, at the foot of the cross, there were four women that stood there. Um, the, these are listed were some of them. And, uh, and one guy, one guy and four women were willing to brave the scene of the cross. It says a lot about the heart of a woman. As a matter of fact, my favorite story in the New Testament after the resurrection in the storyline is Mary Magdalene, um, this one that was delivered of all the demons um, because she shows up at the tomb on the morning that Jesus had already been resurrected. She thinks he's in his grave and she shows up there in order to finish anointing him for burial because they... It took him down so fast and the sun was setting and there's all kinds of Jewish laws about not being in a graveyard after dark and all that stuff. That's why we still have the rules we have now, by the way. But there's all these Jewish rules about that. So so she's lit, they, they anointed him and got him to the tomb but didn't finish it. And it bothered her like crazy. So she had to wait for this proper time to go do that. It happened to be on the third day. And she shows up literally at daylight, the very second she could be legally by Old Testament law, legally in the presence of that dead body. She's going to be there. She's going to tell those soldiers, hey, I need you to roll that stone away so I can go in and finish anointing him for burial. Um, she's, got it all, she's got it all worked out. She's the one that's going to take care of Jesus. Okay? So that's a lot of love, even after he's dead. Now, when she gets there, stones rolled away. Soldiers are out, and there's nobody there, and she freaks out. She starts sobbing. The, the scriptures use the word bitterly weeping, like uncontrollably, can't catch your breath, can't see out of your eyes, sobbing. And a man, she supposes to be a gardener, steps up behind her and says, Mary, why are you weeping? And she says these words. Some of the greatest faith you're going to find in the New Testament, ladies. She says, they have taken away my Lord. He's mine. He belongs to me. I belong to him. In her mind, he's dead. But he's still her Lord. See, she never lost her faith in the most tragic moment of really all of history when Jesus was crucified, dead, and buried. She never lost faith. Never lost it. She's like, you know, he's still mine. I'm going to do this. And she's like, if you just tell me where you've taken him, I'll get him and take care of him. Now, she's physically not going to be able to lift a you know, body, but in her mind, she's got this. She's taking care of Jesus. Isn't that amazing? The, the servant heart of this woman. Now, the prettiest scene is the very next scene when Jesus just calls her name. The only thing he has to do to snap her brain into gear is to say her name out loud. And he just says, Miriam, he calls Mary. Mary. And she recognized his voice and her, her, her name and his voice. And the Bible says she turns around and grabs hold of him. And it's the passage that many people say where Jesus goes, stop clinging to me. He's literally like, you gotta let go. <laughs> She's like, I'm, I'm not letting you go anywhere. You know? But why would Jesus appear to a woman first? Because she has enormous faith to walk to a tomb and still say, I don't care if he's in there dead. He's my Lord still. 
I trusted in him, and I'm going to trust in him right through this. I don't know how it's going to end. Man, that's amazing faith, ladies. And I see the servant heart of a woman that says, even if he's dead, I'm going to go finish anointing him. I'm going to take care of the responsibilities I need to take care of. We're going to do it right. So there's a great servant picture there for this uh, Mary. And then Romans 16, I'd like you to see this one. And this will give us a passage to kind of conclude our message with. Romans 16, verse 1. The Apostle Paul had several women that helped serve the local church and help him build churches and, and uh, reach into church um, community and make it work. And he lists them in Romans 16, just a handful of them. He says, uh, Romans 16, verse 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, a servant of the church in uh, Sennacherib, and I ask you to receive her in the Lord in a way worthy of the saints to give her any help that she may need from you, for she has been a great help to many people, including me. Then he says, Greet Priscilla and Aquila, my fellow workers in Jesus Christ. They risk their lives for me, not only for me, not only I, but all the churches of the Gentiles are grateful to them. And if you read all of Romans 16, by the way, there's this great list of people that Paul gives acknowledgement to that says, This is how the church works. This is how the church works. And I'm just saying to you, our church is not built around me or one person or one uh, thing. It's literally built around all of us functioning together. We're learning that as a church now. We're seeing the value of us all getting together. There's a little handout in your bulletin today uh, that's literally meant to help you um, find a place to serve. There's two or three things, two or three ways you can serve here and uh, two or three holes that we have in our ministry that we'd love for you to help us with. So I'd encourage you to get a bulletin before you leave and make sure you, you look at that. But I want to just tell you just a couple of quick notes about Phoebe. Um, the Bible says she was a servant. The Greek word there, servant, is the word diakonos. And uh, it's, it's, in a, it's in a female uh, tense. And so it literally means she was a, dia, a deaconess, not a deacon. We talk about deacons in the church, but she was a deaconess. And a deacon was a great word. Um, deacon was a was used originally of farmers. When a, when a farmer would be out in the field back in Jesus' day, especially, they still do it today, but do, just with tractors, but when he'd be out in the field behind an ox or a, a donkey and he's plowing, and he's in this big dusty field and he's plowing so hard that dust, there's this dust cloud that you can see for miles around. And people are going, oh, you know, old Deacon Jones over there plowing his field. They would literally say he's over there stirring up dust. He's working so hard, he's making a dust storm. That's what a deacon's supposed to do. That's what our deacons at our church here are supposed to do. Our, our board members are our deacons, and they, they, they work hard enough to keep the dust stirred up. Um, and the truth is, um, Jesus said, or Paul says of this lady, she's a servant that stirs up a lot of dust. She can just make it happen. She can get behind it and make it happen. We have some great deaconesses here. Our church that serve alongside our men and help us and help us do all that they're supposed to do. So what should our response to these fine women, godly women be? Well, I just want to pull it right out of this last passage while I used it last with you today. There's three good responses to have to a good mother, a good godly woman, to the, to the godly women in our church. Um, gentlemen, we should do these things. Paul says, first of all, receive them as saints. Receive them as saints. The word receive, means to deliberately accept them as your personal family member. 
So you receive all the women who are godly as personal family members. There's a, there's a concept in the Scripture, a very important concept in the Scripture, that the church body, the local church body, is family. We're supposed to get along like family. Now, I watched a couple of our men this week fight like family. John and, John and Danny in that little kitchen, they had these little bitty stoves in those rooms we were staying in, these little tiny half stoves. You know what I'm talking about? It's like a 26-inch stove or whatever. And uh, they're trying to cook eggs and their sausage and all that for our breakfast Saturday morning, and they're just elbowing each other out of the way. And you got my spoon. And Danny at one point threatened him with a spoon. But we were like, they were like family, and we're supposed to function like family. That means we can, we can fight like family, but we also got to make up and love each other like family. And our church has a really great community around us like that. And that's, that's what this word means. We're supposed to receive godly women, deliberately welcome them as close personal family members. The other word is to receive them as saints. And a saint is the Greek word for holy. Hagios is the Greek word. And it means one set apart from ordinary things for very special purposes. Some of you have holy uh, towels in your home. You have a towel that has a probably has your initial on it. And uh, you probably got it like we did at our wedding many, many, many 30-something plus years ago. And uh, it's got this initial on it. And it's never, ever, 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 ever been used. Because it's set apart for special purposes. I don't know what that purpose ever is in our house for that towel, but there it is. That's the G towel, and it's just going to stay right there. And you have special dishes you put in a china cabinet. And they're set apart from ordinary use for special purposes. Those are what the Greek word would be holy. They're set apart from regular things for extraordinary things. Well, a godly woman has been set apart by God, set apart by God, to serve God in special ways. We're to exalt her and acknowledge those women. Ladies, this is what we want to do today to you. We want to acknowledge you to be exceptional. You're set apart. You're exceptional. And you're exceptional in what God's made you to be. And I'm just honored to be surrounded by so many good women in our church that do that. Set apart as a valuable gift uh, from God and a valuable gift to us. So, gentlemen, part of what we're supposed to do in our lives, young and old, part of what we're supposed to do in our lives is receive those women as saints. Honor them and acknowledge that they are saints. So you can call your mother a saint and uh, say Paul, the Apostle Paul commands us to do that. It would be good. Then secondly, you're supposed to help her. The Apostle Paul says we need to help. If you look in Romans uh, 16, um, receive her in a way and to give her help as she may need. Help her. Now, this is very important. Very important because... Helping godly women, okay, does not mean explaining it to her, okay? You don't tell your mother or your aunt or your teacher, you know, you don't tell godly women when they need help with something, like when they're trying to get stuff out of the car and into the house, you don't tell them the best way to do that. You know, I learned a long time ago it's a bad idea, you know. What you should have done, you know, after you dealt, here's what you could have done. You should ask the neighbor's kid. He'd help you. You know what I'm saying? You don't tell them how to do it. You're not there to instruct. Actually, it's amazing because, not like God didn't understand human nature, but he actually uses a Greek word here that means to stand alongside her and help her. It means get involved in the work she's doing and help her with that work. Here's what we're supposed to do for godly women is help them. Stand alongside and help them. I was very honored... uh, Enjoyed the other night. Uh, so I saw some of the ladies after the play the other night trying to pull some of the trash bags. 
uh, and try to clean up some of the gym and after all that, after the big meal we had and all that, and uh, some guys just went straight over there, kind of like ran over to that. Hey, let me help you with that. I got that. I got that. I was like, now there we go. There's a good guy, good man, helping a godly, saintly person that's serving the church. And we're, we're literally supposed to receive them as saints and then help them. Not stand alongside and watch. Definitely not stand alongside and advise. Not stand alongside and talk with them. We're supposed to stand alongside them and help them with the actual task that they're doing. So, guys, we can help them do the dishes. One of my buddies the other day told another guy at the church, he said, look, anytime you walk past your kitchen sink and there's dishes in there, son, you need to do them. I thought, yeah, that's good advice. Good advice. Come over to my house. Um, but, but we should. We should help our wives with the chores and the responsibilities they have. Help them with the, the, the cleaning around the house and those kind of things. Stand alongside and help them. And then the third thing I just remind you as we close today, we need to honor them as gifts from God. I reminded you in Genesis 2 that God made the world work right. At the end of day 6, God said, it is good but only after he put womankind there because earlier in the day he said it is not good. He had to put womankind in the middle of the garden as a gift to mankind. Say, now that'll work, right? And so we need to honor our mothers and our wives, our family. We need to honor the women in our lives, our grandmothers, the people that speak into our lives, even your school teachers, your Sunday school teachers, your the, the people that care for us here at this church community. We need to honor them as special gifts from God because they are literally gifts from God. And uh, by the way, you honor a gift on two accounts. One, because of the value of the gift. If I gave you a $30,000 ballpoint pen, you wouldn't just kind of chunk it in the pocket of your truck and hope you can find it the next time you need it. It's a $30,000 pen. You know, you'd probably sell it on eBay if I know you. So, Because um, <laughs> it means so much to you. Um, but if it, the pen has value, not just because of its own value, but because of the giver. If somebody very famous that you like, somebody you very much admire, you know, Dr. Billy Graham or Mother Teresa or somebody gave you a 29-cent Bic pen, right? It's like a $30,000 pen all of a sudden. It has a whole different value because of who the giver is. So, gentlemen, I remind you today, the giver of womankind to us is God Himself. God Himself gave us the women around us to build us up and to help us. And we, we want to honor that. So what I'd like to do is conclude the service by uh, once again making the ladies mad at me, not just because I made you cry with the video, but I'd love for our ladies, all of our ladies, to come stand up in the front with us. We have a little gift for you, and I want our men to come pray with you behind you. So can we do that? Can we invite your, the ladies, the moms especially? Can I, let's get all the moms up here first. Then I'm going to bring up the other ladies behind you. So if you're a mother, Emily, yep, you count, trust me. Yeah, it counts. So all our mothers, if you guys would come up here. Wow. All of our moms. Uh, You can face this way if you want to because you hate facing that way. I know better. All right, so gentlemen, can y'all give, can we all give them a hand, our moms, our kids? All right, now the rest of you ladies, young and old, all the ladies, come up here, we're going to we're separating the church out from guys and girls. So all you girls, if y'all come on up, Darby, all of you, it's okay. I'm not going to make you do anything weird. 
And I'm going to invite the men now to come up and we're going to pray for these ladies. A prayer of thanksgiving. And that they're going to cook for us again one day. So, Hey guys, we are very, very blessed. When you look at this group of ladies, oh my goodness, we are so blessed. Amen? Amen. Alright, so let me lead us in prayer. And then ladies, I'm going to have the children that are here. They're going to go to that front row and get some gifts and give all the ladies. So don't leave until you ladies all get your gifts, okay? Um, we're going to make a couple announcements too. we got several videos to show you, so we need you to sit back down in a second. Let's pray. Father, I just bless your name today. Um, I was just thinking through the, the magnificent women you sent to me um, at the passing of my mom in 2000 when I came back to Northside. All the good women you've surrounded me with that are just like my mother, and they comfort and encourage and help me. I'm so thankful for them. And uh, they speak into my life, and they're here to just be a reminder of how good of gift giver you are. I thank you for my wife and my daughter, and I ask that you would bless all of these other uh, women today. God, we pray a special blessing on them. They sacrifice in ways that we'll never know this side of heaven. We ask you to honor them for that. I pray you let their children rise up and call them blessed. And we'll count on you to help us remember to be good helpers to those that carry all that weight and make them know their worth today. We'll trust you for that in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen, amen and amen. Now, the younger ladies, if y'all would grab, and younger folks, if you would grab those gifts, Leo, right there where you are, if you'll grab those, start passing them out to the moms. And then you guys can take a seat real quick. We want to give you several announcements. You want to swap that?